In a world where a man loves movies and loves lists and keeps a list of his 100 favorite movies for over 30 years, what if he made his wife watch those movies in order? And what if he made her talk about it on a podcast? Would she like them? Would she hate them? Can this marriage possibly survive this podcast? Find out what will happen in a world called Craig's List. Hey, Craig's listeners. It's uh, it's Craig Kikowski. Uh, welcome to uh, Craig's List Spooky Times. Um, we're really excited to be back, and thank you for all the uh, the great... Uh, feedback that we've gotten so far, suggestions of movies and forth, so forth. I just, before we get into this week's episode, I just need to let you know about something, um, about our first episode. We put it out about six days ago. Um, and it's really, you know, been getting a lot of heat on the internet, which is good. If you listened to that episode, uh, before a week expires, you need to make a copy of that and, Play it for somebody else. I can't stress enough. It's going to be exactly a week from the... So figure out when you listened to it um, to the minute and just make a copy. Could be MP3. Could be a WAV file. I don't care. You For maybe some of your older relatives, you may have to burn them a CD. And for your really older relatives, you might have to get a VCR. Get a VCR. Two VCRs. Hook up your... uh, Hook up your podcast app to a, to a VHS tape, uh, but this is really important. Some of the things that may warn you if you're getting close to a week, you may start to see images of Carla coming out of your phone. <laughs> <laughs> now, Carla has really let her hair go during the pandemic. <laughs> it's really long, and she's combing it like right in front of her face. So you'll know immediately Carla will climb out of a well and then out of your phone and will kill you. So that's basically <laughs> that's what happens. That's what's going to happen. So please make a copy of Craigslist, pass it on. Save yourself. Save yourself. You know, I I don't know when it ends. It may never end, but uh, but that's the only way to escape the curse. Now, on to this week's episode. <laughs> Carla, uh, that that's uh, that was a bit, guys. Sorry, you're not going <laughs> to die. I'm not a murderer. <laughs> Carla is not a murderer. She is not Sadako slash Samara from <laughs> the Ring series. Um, but thank you, thank you for listening to the episode. You're not going to die from it. We hope. <laughs> we. It, I don't know. I don't know how great it is to start off a podcast threatening people's lives. But mm-hmm. here we are. It's October. It's I was not threatening their lives. I was warning them. Oh right, right, right. I guess I was threatening their lives. <laughs> yes. <laughs> People were going to have heart attacks and freeze with their body in a contorted position. Also, if uh, if on your photos app, if your face is all distorted. Like that's a good indication that uh, that you've been cursed by Craigslist Spooky Times. Yeah, exactly. Welcome back, guys, to Craigslist Spooky <laughs> Times. It's Craig <laughs> and Carla, and we are watching thirty-one horror movies in thirty-one days. We are right on schedule. We are. I cannot believe it. <laughs> we have not fallen behind. What is the date today? I don't even know. Today's the eleventh. We have watched ten. Amazing. Ten movies thus far. A few. 
you've fallen asleep and we've had to finish them in the morning. Yes, but, but we not because have- they were boring. Just because I had a long day. <laughs> Carla's got a tough life. And she's a busy lady. And we start these movies at night. And they're scary. And uh, and then sometimes you're just shocked to sleep. Yes, exactly. By the horror of these movies. So we've covered slashers. We've covered found footage. I thought we'd move on to just maybe the most classic iteration of a horror movie, The Ghost Story. The spooky time Spooky time. That's a like classic ghost. Yeah. I think haunted houses and ghosts to me, and this is just me, uh, those are the things that I think scare me the most. Yeah. And those are the horror movies that I kind of seek out. I like the mood of a nice spooky ghost story. Yeah. I When we decided on ghost stories, I was like, I don't think there's that many. And I was so wrong. I think there are more ghost stories on our list of potential movies than anything else that we had. I guess it's also kind of a loosely interpreted category. Yeah. Cause it's like, does that mean that they were once dead? They were people once, or is it like monster ghost people things, you know, is it monster ghost people things? Like for example, the Babadook or whatever, is that a ghost story? It's yeah. I I feel like I would categorize it, but that's not, that wasn't a person, right? At one time? No. No. Yeah. And you haven't seen the movie either. I haven't, but I, I know enough about it to know I'm not going to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we have to watch The Babadook. Maybe. Maybe we'll revisit Ghost, ghost Stories. Go- ghost Stories. Ghost Stories. <laughs> <laughs> and Goose Stories would be uh, would be fun, too. I don't know if there's that many of those. So the three that we're covering today all came out around the same time, late 90s, early 2000s. So we're from 1998, we have the original Japanese Ringu. Mm-hmm. Uh, or The Ring, mm-hmm. or Ring. Mm-hmm. Uh, from 1999, we have a ghost story that is not The Sixth Sense. It's Stir of Echoes. Yep. And from 2001, we have The Others with Nicole Kidman. Mm-hmm. And uh, general thoughts from you on ghost stories? Um, I really like that you just broke it down into haunted houses and ghost stories. We should do like a haunted houses thing. But anyways, what's my point? I don't know. <laughs> Do you believe in ghosts? <sighs> yes. Yes, I do. <laughs> Why do you say that so reluctantly? Because I don't know. I Yeah, I don't know. It's kind of all wrapped up in religion for me, and mm. that's too bad. <laughs> are Catholic school children told that there are ghosts? No. Okay. No, no. But no. they're told that there are no ghosts? Well, yeah. I mean, there's... The Holy Spirit, but that's not supposed to be a ghost. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, I would say, yeah, that you're not supposed to believe in ghosts as a Catholic. Because that's pagan religion? Yeah. I think the other thing that scares me along with ghosts are are the devil. I mm-hmm. get scared by demon and devil stories. Yes, as I agree. well. Me too. I mean, The Exorcist would be up there, the scariest movies, Drag Me to Hell. Um, so th- those kind of things freak me out. As well. And I did not grow up with any religious affiliation. Yeah. I I think it's just because it's such a part of our culture. It seems like it could be real. Yeah. (laughs) I I think I've seen a ghost before. But I also sleepwalk. Or I did at least at one time in my life. And I have night terrors. So I can also understand how that would have not been a ghost in, in just my mind playing a trick on me, but it felt like a ghost. 
Now, some of you may have heard me talk about the ghost that me and my sister encountered in our house where we grew up in Virginia. Uh, if you hadn't, uh, we recommend the podcast Astonishing Legends uh, that our, our friend Scott does, and we'll send out a link to that episode. Anyway, long story short is that my sister Liz and I, who were eight years apart in age, were haunted by the same ghost uh, when we were both around 16 years old. Uh, eight years apart and didn't find that out until years later mm -hmm. that we had a similar experience. But then also in doing some like research on sleep disorders of like, it sounds like it's classic sleep paralysis. So it's interesting, like your ghostly visions have occurred during your sleep disorder and probably mine was tied to that as well. But I also think it doesn't necessarily rule out the paranormal. You know, yeah. I think even if there's a scientific explanation, maybe it makes you tap into something that is just there. I, I, I don't have any logical reason for believing in ghosts. I just think that enough people have encountered them that there's something to it. Well, the fact that you and your sister had the same experience and didn't talk about it at the time, like you didn't tell her when you were experiencing it and she didn't tell you and you didn't find out till years later is very creepy. My yeah. my ghost that I saw was right when I was I was doing a lot of meditation and I don't know why I'm laughing at that. That's a very <laughs> very good thing. Um and I was like spending a lot of time you know looking inward and I fell asleep in, in the middle of the day um and was having a nap and I looked up and there was a man standing at the foot of my bed Holy with a shit. top hat and he grabbed the the rim of his hat and like and like um what is that called? When he like ducked his chin at me and he was like, it was kind of like a good day lady. Yeah, he doffed his cap. He doffed his cap at me <laughs> and I fucking lost my mind. I just started screaming and I ran into the living room. I mean, that is such a specific. I've told you that oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 It still gives me oh, chills I was gonna say, to you're hear about really it. Really good. You're interested in this because you're acting like you never heard it. Yeah. It's creepy. It's creepy. No, I. I mean, it's a reason why we tell ghost stories around the campfire to each other of like, it taps into something primeval in people. Yeah. And I mean, I guess it ties into our just basic fear of death. Oh, for sure. Too. Like, what, like what happens after we die. Yeah, exactly. Um, the thing that I find so fascinating about your ghost stuff beyond what I just said is that you don't really believe in stuff. <laughs> Like, you don't really believe in, you're not. I'm a pretty rational person in you're general. You're not a spiritual person at all. As far, as far as I. Well. You, you disagree? No, you should. No, I think, I think, oh, <laughs> I think you're right. I think you're like, right. Like, you, I don't, I don't want to say you don't believe in God because I don't want to say that for you, but like, you're not a spiritual person. So the fact that you think ghosts could possibly be real is, is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I also think aliens have visited our planet. That's yeah. a whole other discussion. I do too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm willing to believe in some Bigfoot and some irrational stuff. No, I don't think Bigfoot's a Loch thing. I don't think Loch Ness is a thing. <laughs> <laughs> there is no lake in Scotland called Loch Ness. It just isn't a thing. Well, yeah, I think we're all scared about what happens when we die. And we also are longing for like loved ones that we've lost and yeah. everything. You know, it's it's about how we're on this realm for a while and like what are what other realms are on there, mm -hmm. you know. And I also think just as a film aficionado, I think 
somebody telling a good ghost story, you know, you maybe have more leeway than other supernatural stories. You know, you can play with the rules a little bit of like, is the, are they going crazy or is this real? You know, that's always kind of like at play in a good ghost story movie. And pretty much you can, the ghosts can almost make anything happen sometimes. So, yeah. you know, you can get away with a lot there. Uh, I, I mean, to me, this is just the category that actually scares me the most mm-hmm. deeply. Mm-hmm. And also, I'm not necessarily a big gore guy, you know, and I don't need like a homicidal maniac in my horror movies necessarily. Um, I don't like like home invasion horror because yeah, like that's scary. like too real, you know. Um, the, this is, I think, my favorite category. Yeah. Okay. Good. So, you had seen all of these before, or you'd never seen the original Ring? I'd never seen the original Ring. So, this was remade a few years later with Naomi Watts, you know, pretty big hit. Which I had seen that. In America. Yeah, I'd seen that too, and was really scared by it. I mean, it's been years since I saw it, but I I remember it being very scary. I saw the sequel too. The sequel was directed by the Japanese filmmaker who made the original. Oh. So. I, I don't know if I saw the sequel or not. I might have. I can't remember. Um, but you had seen Stir of Echoes and the others before. Yes, I had seen both of those. I wanted to watch Stir of Echoes because I remember it coming out around the same time as Sixth Sense. And I had remembered, I really liked the Sixth Sense, but I'd also remembered really liking Stir of Echoes and feeling bad for it that it didn't like get as much. It's thunder totally got stolen. Like, I don't know what the order of release was, but Sixth Sense was such a phenomenon that year. And here you have another movie with a, uh, a little boy who sees dead people, who sees dead people. Yeah. But it's a different, you know, completely different movie with a different vibe. But it's similar enough that I can kind of see why maybe it got lost. Yeah. So I wanted to just revisit it and see what that was like. And then the others I saw in the theater. I think at least once, maybe twice. I think this is the third time I had seen the others. Um, and I just remember being totally blown away in the theater by the others. The others to me is totally a grower, like over time. Like yeah. I remember enjoying it in the theater. I think it was a solidly made movie. I don't think it even made my top 25 for that year. Really? Yes. Wow. And this is probably the fourth time I've seen it. And every, it's one of those movies that the more you see it, the more you admire how well constructed it is because it has a pretty prominent twist that we will spoil. Um, <laughs> we are going to spoil everything. We're going to spoil the shit out of all three of these movies, I think, because yeah. they're all around 20 years. Uh, and because they all have twists, I think there's no way of talking about it without saying exactly what happens. So. Right. Um, that's just what's happening. We had a long discussion in the last episode about spoiling and, uh, I've, Carla has brought me around to her way of thinking we're going to spoil the shit out of these three <laughs> movies at the, at the very least. Um, but now the others I would have in my top five for 2001. And now that was the same year as Moulin Rouge, right? Yes. And so that was, cause I remember... Nicole Kidman, like she was all already famous and well, well lo- beloved, um, but beloved, beloved. Is that how you say that? You could say beloved or beloved. Okay. Um, eh, but I remember Moulin Rouge kind of overshadowing this performance, and I think this is 
really strong. I think it's one of her best roles ever. Absolutely. I'd put it up with To Die For of her, my favorite performances of hers. Me too. I love that movie. And she's great in Moulin Rouge too. Sure. I think Moulin Rouge was also such a phenomenon. I believe she got an Oscar nomination for that. So yeah. like probably she was not being pushed that hard for the, the others. We should say that the new, uh, series in the Haunting of Hill House series is out now on Netflix, which is The Haunting of Bly Manor. Mm-hmm. And because it's so long, uh, I think we're not going to cover either series, but Haunting of Hill House, the series, was one of the high points of horror of like the last 20 years, I really think. I think so too. I really, I, I watched it twice. And so the new series is based on the Henry James novel, Turn of the Screw, which also inspired one of my favorite horror movies, The Innocence with Deborah Carr from mm-hmm. the 60s. And the others is obviously a completely original story, but it very much is in keeping with that same vibe yeah, of like very, is. you know, Victorian manner and very English and just spooky stuff happening in a big house. Mm-hmm. Well, let's go chronologically through the others a little bit with a segment that we like to call Carla's Quotes. She's feeling her oats and Craig's taking notes. Whatever they are, it's Carla's Quotes. The director, by the way, is Alejandro Aminabar. So he's a Spanish filmmaker. He did Open Your Eyes a few years before this or Abre Los Ojos, which became Vanilla Sky. Mm-hmm. Um, and based on that in this movie, you'd think that he would like go on to be like a real horror legend, but he really hasn't stuck to the genre at all, which is too bad because he's really what else has he done? Great at it. Well, a f- couple years after this, he did that movie, The Sea Inside, with uh, with Javier Bardem, where he's oh, yeah. uh, that terminally ill guy who wants to uh, end his life, mm-hmm. and that won the Oscar for foreign language film that year, and is a very good movie. It it's is just a good movie. it's just a realistic drama, right? Uh, and then he's maybe made like three other movies since that I've not seen. They've not been very well received. I don't think any of them are in the horror genre. Huh. He's also a real John Carpenter in that he did his own score for oh. this as well. The score for this is wonderful. I thought, I thought it was really fun. The movie was produced by Tom Cruise, who was just married to Nicole Kidman until the day this movie premiered and their divorce was finalized that day. Oh, really? Yes. Wow. Uh, so they're in Jersey in the Channel Islands in 1945. So it's the very end of World War II. And she's a mother of two young children in this gigantic mansion. Uh, and her husband is still at war. Um, and some, he's, he's presumed dead, presumed dead. And some servants, three servants, uh, arrive at the front door. That's the beginning of the movie. They've answered her ad. Mm-hmm. Um, which she has, she's placed looking for new help. So there's Mrs. Mills, who's like the nanny and, uh, you know, head of the house and Mr. Tuttle, who's the gardener and a mute woman named Lydia, who's the maid. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, <laughs> oh, here's the first Carlos quote, by the way. The beginning of the movie is Nicole Kidman waking up and screaming like that she just had a bad dream and that scream made Carla go motherfucker (laughs) so Carla was on edge right away um 
and and then she realizes that she had never sent the notice or something had happened with the mail where the notice didn't actually get out to the paper or whatever. That and she was looking for a maid. Yeah. yeah. And then the servants have to admit of like, well, yeah, we, uh, we've worked at this house before and we just, you know, had to turn up to see if there's any work for us. We're familiar. We know this house. Well, yeah. Um, and that just kind of like sets that creepy tone right away. And as good as Nicole Kidman is in this, I really got to single out Fianola Flanagan, who mm-hmm. is Mrs. Mills, as just giving it a, a great performance yes. as well. And knowing the twist at the end and then watching it and no, no, like getting to see her play all of those scenes, it all makes total sense the way that she plays it. That's why in rewatchability, I will put this up with Rosemary's Baby and Sixth Sense. In that, if you watch Rosemary's Baby and you watch John Cassavetes throughout that movie, he's the character who knows the truth the whole time. Mm-hmm. And his performance is so amazing when you know that. Yeah. And same thing with Haley Joel in Sixth Sense, of right. course. You know. Um, because there are some movies where the actor, like, there's a reveal at the end that the actor the, or the character knew what was going on the whole time. And then you rewatch it and you're like, but they didn't seem like they knew what was going yes. on. And in this one, it totally seems like she you know, knows what's going on and it's perfect for every scene that she's in. It's so well played. And so her little kids are sensitive to sunlight, <laughs> right? They, they have some sort of disease where they're, they're going to be harmed by the sunlight. So all the curtains are drawn in this house, but then the kids are the first, the little girl starts talking to a boy named Victor who lives in this house. So this is the ghost, right? Victor yeah. is the ghost Victor. that's that's haunting them. These are kind of awful children, by the way, too. Carla said, what a bitch about the, the girl. <laughs> uh, and then she draws, like, the others, the people that she's seeing around the house, including, like, this creepy old blind woman. Yeah. You know? Um, there's a moment where there's a face in a painting that's really creepy. And Carla said, kind of looked like Michael Myers for a second there. Yeah. So Halloween was still lingering. Um at one point, Nicole Kidman goes finds like this book of the dead, which is like all these photos from like when there was like a tuberculosis outbreak at the turn of the century, and so it's all these just which is a real thing that people yeah, used to do is they like take, take photos pictures. of people to help their soul ascend to the next life or something. I don't know why, I, but I know they did it. Yeah, um, you didn't have a lot of quotes in this, Carla. You were pretty. Uh... Yeah, <laughs> but I think over the course of the movie, you start. To see that something's weird about the servant. Something is off and you sense mm-hmm. that they know more than they're letting on. And, uh, there's a, there's a, a little graveyard in the yard of this thing. <laughs> and at one point she's like, um, well, you better cover up the gravestones again, Mr. Tuttle. <laughs> you yeah. know, or like, and, or maybe it's time to let them see the gravestones. <laughs> right. Well, the whole thing is that obviously it's their gravestones and it seems like they want the mother, they want Nicole Kim in to come around and understand that she's dead without telling her. Yes. That's the twist, by the way. Nicole Kim is dead. <laughs> <laughs> but we said we we're going to spoil it. Yes. Uh, p- yeah. Anyways, um, and so, yeah, and so just knowing that that the maid knows that and like is trying to be nice to Nicole Kidman and yes. and yet it seems like she's being creepy but she's actually trying to help her ease transition into the afterlife. That's why this movie is so brilliant cuz like your allegiances shift 
throughout. Yeah. And because it's Nicole Kidman, she's the lead. And then you realize she is totally the villain. She's the villain. At the end of the piece. Yes. And, uh, and Mrs. Mills is really trying to just help her understand this new transition yeah. in, in everything. And the people that we think are haunting them are just the new occupants of the house who yes. just want to have a good night's sleep. They're just trying to move into their new home. Poor Victor <laughs> can't get any rest because the little girl is bugging him. <laughs> At one point, they're talking about uh, their father serving in the war. And I think Nicole Kidman says he was on the side of the goodies. Or we were on the side of the goodies. <laughs> and uh, and Carla said, I'm going to start calling Biden and Harris the side of the goodies. <laughs> People don't like when we get political on this podcast. Okay. Well, that's what you said. Um, <laughs> and we're voting for Biden and Harris, by the way. <laughs> I mean, uh, the quintessentially scary moment in this is because it, it turns out the old blind woman is, is a mystic, right? Or a, yes. a psychic who they've hired she's to like help cleanse the running house. Running a seance to. She's, yeah. So she's trying to get, she knows that the kids don't understand that they're dead. And she thinks if she can get the kids to understand that they're dead, then they'll leave them alone. So, and the little girl is in like this wedding dress or, or it's communion. It's her a first communion, communion, which does look like a wedding dress, which yeah. is weird. She's in a communion dress, just kind of like playing dress up. She's alone in this gigantic room. Nicole Kidman goes in and try, and we see through the veil that it's this old woman's face. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, what have you done with my daughter? I am your daughter. And it's, it's the little the, girl's voice. It's the creepiest thing. Yeah. It's so ever. It's so upsetting. And, but again, like I love it because you're like, this is a, this is the devil. And you think like, this is this awful, terrible, whatever demon. And then at the end you realize, no, this nice old lady is just trying to help everyone. <laughs> She's trying to help the humans who live there. She's trying to help the dead people move on. It's so good. <laughs> and then eventually, you know, when the servants like really like break the news to them, first of all, there's an incredible shot. The, the three servants moving slowly across the lawn toward the children. And then they kind of like hang out like right outside the door. But it kind of looks like they're simultaneously in the house and outside yeah. the house. Like it's – I don't know if it's a natural effect or if it's, you know, CGI or whatever. But it's so cool. Yeah. Um, and this is Carla's uh, on Mrs. Mills at this point. She'd be like – I'd be like, bitch, I'm sick of this shit. You're dead, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> During the uh, the most tense moment of the movie, Carla said her hairstyle is excellent. <laughs> Nicole Kidman's hairstyle is excellent. <laughs> it's such – I just want to talk about the casting real quick. Like it's such a genius move to cast Nicole Kidman because she's so – I mean especially at the time. I think she's done so much more since then in terms of different types of roles. But she was – she wasn't America's sweetheart. She was probably, you know – she wasn't like a rom-com, but she was, she was just, everybody loves her, right? And she's so yeah. charming. Elegant. Elegant and refined and sophisticated. And like, so then have, so the whole time you're on her side, even when she's being a jerk to her kids, you're still like, well, it's Nicole Kidman. So she's just trying to <laughs> help them or whatever. Yeah. And so then to find out at the end that she killed her, that she went mad and killed her kids is like, you just feel like the whole, the rug is just pulled out from under you. Yeah. And that's very moving at the seance where, like, the kids have to realize that they're actually dead and that their mother killed them. Yes. Ooh, it's... I, I cry. I cry at that part when Nicole – and then they cut to Nicole Kidman holding her children, crying and explaining what happened. Yeah. Ugh. And 
the scene where the kids are hiding in the closet and you hear Victor's breathing because he's a real living boy who's hiding in the closet as well. Yes. And then the the old blind lady opens the door. Carla screamed and she said, I even know the ending. I think I just threw my shoulder out. <laughs> I think out of all everything that we've watched so far, that was the biggest jump for me because I had totally forgotten that that was really. Happening. <laughs> um. And then the new homeowner, by the way, is Michelle Fairley, uh, who is Caitlin Stark from Game of Thrones. Oh. Uh, and then that last image, we see the family leaving because their house is fucking haunted. <laughs> they don't want to live there and, anymore. And the wife's like, we're getting out of here. And we finally see the little boy, Victor, that we had thought was the ghost at the beginning. He's looking up at the window, and then those ghosts are, are staring out at him. Yeah, he can see Nicole Kidman and their, her two kids looking out at yeah. him. It's so good. Great movie. I mean, yeah, the pitch that of that is um, a haunted house from the ghost point of view, right? Like that's so – it's almost like Beetlejuice a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's just such a great idea. I hope whoever wrote it made a million dollars. And the, uh, the husband, played by Christopher Eccleston, does show up at one point as well. And I just remember my first watching. I mean, you know something is off. Something yeah, is off. Wrong with him. And then you're like, is the husband a ghost? Oh, and then you think you figured out like, oh, the servants are ghosts. Mm-hmm. You know? But I mean, I literally was really shocked to find out that Nicole Kidman and her kids are ghosts. Right. The first time seeing it. I had remembered not liking the husband showing up. Um and maybe it was that reaction of just like, what's going on? Like, this feels like too much. But on on a rewatch, it makes a lot of sense and it's really great. It and fe- it adds to like the family drama yeah. tone of the film. It feels like maybe that her psychic energy summons him it is exactly somehow what it seems like. to yeah. get the closure and then he is allowed to pass on. Yeah, that's what it felt like this time on this watch. So next up, we got Stir of Echoes. And this is a 1999 movie starring Kevin Bacon. Um, this movie is set and was filmed in Chicago at a time where I lived there. And it features a lot of like Chicago stage actors in small parts, uh, and was cast by Mickey Pascal and Rachel Tenor, who were casting directors that, uh, that I saw a lot of when I lived in Chicago and was an actor there. All of which to say of like, why was I not called in for this? <laughs> um, but uh, Kevin Bacon is just kind of like a working class guy. He's like a lineman for the power company. Mm-hmm. And uh, his sister-in-law, played by Ileana Douglas, hypnotizes him. Mm-hmm. And it seems to like unlock some sort of secret ability he has. And he starts getting visions and messages from the dead. Also, his little boy seems to have some sort of psychic ability yeah. uh, as well. And he ends up solving a mystery over the course a of the movie. A whodunit. A whodunit. A real whodunit. Uh, I had also seen this like probably shortly after. I didn't see it in the theater, probably on video shortly after it came out. Remember liking it, had not given it a lot of thought 20 years since. Uh, but glad I watched it again. What did you think? Yeah, me too. I don't know that um, it was as... Um, memorable of a film as I remembered it being, <laughs> but I'm glad that we rewatched it and the act, all the actors are so great in it. Really good acting in it. And I think it's, you know, it's just that twist at the end doesn't really feel like a twist on a rewatch. It just, you know, like it didn't all come together in the same way that the Sixth Sense or the others does. It feels a little bit like a spooky episode of SVU. 
Oh, interesting. <laughs> that's really funny. I think that's totally accurate. <laughs> with with, I mean, I like the SCU actors too, but like the actors are so strong. Yeah. Also, Catherine Irby plays his wife in this, and she's from Criminal Intent, not SVU, oh, but it does. Yeah. There's a little bit of a law and order. Yeah, there is that vibe. You're so right. Angle to it, but I think there's some good scares. There's some good creepy Definitely. imagery in it. Um, it's written and directed by David Cope, who is one of the most successful screenwriters of all time. Really, he wrote Jurassic Park. Oh. He wrote the Sam Raimi Spider-Man. He wrote uh, Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull, but don't hold that against him. Um, <laughs> But uh, but a really good Kevin Bacon performance. Yeah, for And sure. a really good child actor, too. Agreed. The yeah. little boy who plays Jake. And I, I think I had the same thought as you, which is like, uh, I, I'm missing Ileana Douglas in things. I do. She's so great. And I actually, I mean, I really liked the woman who played the wife in this. You just said her name. and I, Catherine Irby, yeah. Um, but I also was like, I wish they would have cast Ileana Douglas as the wife. I don't know. I just feel like she should have been given up an opportunity to play... Yeah. More different. She's always like the quirky weirdo and everything. It would have been nice to like, I don't know, maybe she is doing that right now. What is she doing right now? Did you look it up? No. All right. <laughs> but see to die for because it has both Nicole Kidman and Eliana Douglas in it. She's great in that too. This is based on a Richard Matheson novel who famously did I Am Legend. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't, I think it only took like the basic concept of a guy with psychic powers getting messages from the dead. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the, the special effects when he goes into hypnosis are really cool. It's so cool. Like, yeah. and she's kind of talking him through it of like, you're in a theater. And then we see him in the theater. We see him like floating in a chair. Like mm-hmm. all that imagery is really great. The opening is really scary. When he's like, his son's, he's giving his son a bath and his son's like looking past him and talking to someone. His son is looking right in the camera. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And Kevin Bacon is just like not really paying attention to him because he's just like, this is my kid just talking. That's a good opening. But it's like clear to the audience that he's talking to a ghost. Yes. (laughs) It's a really good opening. I did find this trivia tidbit. The hypnosis sequence in which Tom, Kevin Bacon, is hypnotized for the first time follows actual hypnosis techniques used by professional hypnotists. In order to ensure that the audience hasn't been put to sleep and some susceptible people have been, there's a musical accent at the close of the sequence to wake everyone up. What? That's crazy. (laughs) I guess they were afraid this movie would really hypnotize people. (laughs) We open on the kids singing in the bathtub uh, first of all, I, I don't know how many of the movies we've covered so far have, have had creepy kids singing, but I would say at least many? 50%. Yeah. <laughs> that is just a horror trope. Uh, and opening on the kid talking to the camera, Carla said, well, that's terrifying already. <laughs> <laughs> um, at the beginning of the movie, he finds out that his wife is going to have, uh, their second child. You know, she's pregnant. Uh, and he says his reaction is bummer. <laughs> And Carla said, did he say bummer? Yikes. Um, this movie maybe leans it a little too hard to the Chicago-ness. Yeah, it does. But I got to say, everybody pre- feels pretty authentic. You know, yeah. that block party feels pretty authentic. There's a lot of old old style signs, you know, and stuff in the background. And most of them are legitimate Chicago actors. Uh, Kevin Dunn, who I know a little bit from Veep, uh, has a pretty prominent part in it. I think he did a, a great job as well. Yeah. He's kind of a quintessential, you know, Chicago character actor. Um, <laughs> what was, uh, I think this was a Kevin Bacon line. I didn't expect, oh no. 
Yeah, yeah. This is him talking about his life, uh-huh. uh, just where he is in life. I didn't expect to be so ordinary. And Carla said, I can totally relate to this already. <laughs> and in watching those those block parties or those house parties, yeah. actually, Chicago said, uh, uh, Chicago, your name is Carla. <laughs> Carla said, remember those Chicago parties? And man, I was at some fucking ragers that were like... <laughs> Spilling out onto the street. I, I just, I appreciated the, uh, the locations, you know, cause they felt very authentic to the kind of architecture I remember I from, from Chicago. And those house parties, like it's in this movie, it's all adults. It's like middle-aged people having this, but, but like that does feel real to Chicago. Yeah. I definitely remember. I mean, I didn't go to those, but I remember seeing those. <laughs> I mean, there's an aspect to like keeping your high school years alive of maybe being a middle-aged person not realizing you're not in high school anymore right which isn't keeping with the fathers who were like cleaning up after their their sons who had committed a crime yeah you know that was the spoiler that's the spoiler of this movie there's a ghost of a teenage girl who is buried in the basement of kevin bacon's house that's who's talking and the teenage to teenage girl is jennifer morrison from house and once upon a time yeah very good a, actress, very recognizable. As a teenager. But she's got like her hair is dyed black. She's normally blonde, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, that was fun to see her as well. Um, <laughs> at one point, he starts fooling around with his wife in bed, and we were so sure this was a dream sequence, yes. but it turned out not to be. It turned out right. they're actually having sex. Uh, and Carla said, that's not going to be his wife. It's going to be a fucking ghost or a ghost he's going to fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. One of the images he keeps seeing is of a fingernail coming off, which is really gross. And Carla said, oh, fuck, I'm never going to be able to unsee that. I curse a lot, an awful lot. Just during these horror movies, not not during our our original (laughs) list. Like, horror brings out a primal side of you, I think. (laughs) Feels like body horror is not your favorite. Uh, Because there's the scene of him pulling out the bloody tooth from his mouth. Yeah. Maybe a reason not to see that movie raw that we have on our list because it's pretty heavy on body horror. Um, here's a line that Kevin Dunn's wife's character says about him. He'll, he'll stick it in a bowl of soup if it's still warm. <laughs> so wrong. <laughs> that actress is Lucia Struess, who I was in a movie with in Chicago. She's a very good uh, stage actress there. And also my friend Lisa Lewis, who I improvised with, plays the mom of the missing girl. So when the babysitter goes to the the Metra Uh stop, that also is Logan Square Metra. That was very close to where I used to live. Like it brought up a lot of memories. I just, my criticism of this movie is there's kind of like, there's a lot going on and there's some plot threads I think that don't really go anywhere. Go together. There's a, there's like a magical Negro thing going on yeah. that feels a little lifted from The Shining. Like there's a cop who can has visions who Catherine Irby goes to like ask his advice, but then that character never comes back. I know that's such a bummer because he's actually a really interesting character. Yeah, the two scenes that he's in, and then you're like, oh, but he doesn't ever come back. Why does he not show up at the house at the end to like give it some closure and exactly in some way? Yeah. Yeah, it feels like there's some, like, some, like, vestigal organs in this movie of, like, things from earlier drafts that survived. Yes, yes, totally. But. Yes, yes, totally. (laughs) (laughs) At the end of the movie, when he uncovers the, the mystery and figures out who had killed the girl, 
Uh, they do do a good job of every image from his visions, every little detail. We see the payoff of that. And the little boy talks about the feathers, like, and that ends up being a gunshot that goes through the boy's bed and he's not there because he's, uh, He's at a family funeral, like yeah, in Wisconsin yeah. or or something. But you know, he he had that that vision. I I would say that the journey on this one wasn't as exciting, but I thought it had a really strong ending, hmm. and it paid off for me. And I and I still thought about it the next day too. Carla also said, "I love the '90s fashion." Sure do those chokers, <laughs> those crop tops. Um. I think the other thing is, I feel like even though Kevin Bacon does a great job in this movie, maybe not enough a sense of who the guy is. And we also, because there's, he goes through like a shining thing where his wife thinks he's crazy and he's tearing up the house and everything, but we know he's right. You know, in the shining, there's more of a tension of like, is Jack Nicholson crazy or not? We know that Kevin Bacon's not crazy. So it feels like kind of a, a tangential move to spend this much time on that oh interesting i would disagree with that here we go i actually really liked that because i thought that they weren't doing that i thought they weren't i was afraid like oh great now everybody's gonna think he's crazy everyone's gonna give him a hard time he's gonna get sent to an insane asylum but really when his wife is upset with him it's because she's scared that he's gonna get hurt Gotcha. And at least that's how I kind of filtered all of it. And like, she knows that he's, I don't think she thinks he's crazy at all. Like maybe there's one scene early on where she thinks he hasn't gotten enough sleep or something, (laughs) but like she was at the hypnotism. So she knows that something's going on and she knows that her son has some sort of ability. Hmm. Um, You don't have a counterpoint? No, I think, I think that's a good argument. It reminded me a little bit of the Michael Shannon movie Take Shelter, yeah, which is more of a psychological drama, you know, but has a little bit of a fantasy aspect to it because he keeps getting these visions. Right. I didn't love the ending of Take Shelter, but I love the journey of that movie as well. But that that's kind of a similar thing where we really don't know if he's crazy or not throughout that movie. And then Stir of Echoes ends... On a, on a nice little shot of the little boy driving through his new neighborhood and hearing all the ghosts. All the ghosts. Yeah. Apparently they did a direct to video sequel to Stereo of Echoes that did center around the boy. Oh. Which I'm not sure if he was still a little boy, if he was grown up or whatever. Was Kevin Bacon in it? No, I don't think so. Um, and then the same filmmaker, David Cope, did a horror movie this year with Kevin Bacon and Amanda Seyfried. Um, that wasn't that well received, but I am a little intrigued to see it just because they teamed up again. Yeah. On another uh, ghost story. Uh, all right, let's move on to Ring. So it must have been s- successful if they had done a sequel to it. I, I think it made money, yeah. you know. Most horror movies make a little bit of money. Yeah. At least. Didn't make Sixth Sense money, mm-hmm. but it made Stir of Echoes money. And sometimes <laughs> that's good enough. Sometimes. So you had never seen the original Japanese ring or ringu. Correct. Uh, as it's, as it's called there. This is a, this is their Friday the 13th, by the way, in, in Japan. Yeah, there's a lot of sequels, right? There's like eight Japanese films. It's based on original trilogy of novels. Mm. Uh, I guess they made this simultaneously with its sequel. 
um, which came out around the same time. And then there's been three American ones. Oh. Uh, so there's Ring, The Ring 2, and then there was a movie called Rings a few years ago. Oh. Uh, which got just savaged by the critics and I didn't see. And it also seemed like they missed out on the top thing to update it, which is like making it a viral video rather than a VHS <laughs> tape. Right. I mean, this is literally how viral videos work. Exactly. You know, but apparently they didn't update the technology of it. Which... Was Naomi Watts in it? No. Okay. Um, but you know what the ring is, guys. Uh, <laughs> and gals and people. <laughs> and uh, all people that are out there. You you watch a creepy videotape on VHS and then you get a phone call and then you're going to die in a week unless you pass it on to the next person. Yeah. So that's the basic concept. I actually, because I think I've only seen The Ring once, I had forgotten that they had to copy it and show it to somebody else. So that was kind of a nice surprise for me rewatching yeah. it. And that's only a twist that you find out at the end. Yeah. You know, that, that's that's how it resolves. Because I was like, I can't remember how this ends. I can't remember if she dies. I remember that the boyfriend died, but I didn't know how she got out of it. So, yeah. So it, it centers around uh, a woman, uh, Reiko, who is a reporter and her little boy. And then her ex-husband who also seems to have some sort of psychic ability. The little yeah. boy also has some psychic ability. This yes. is a recurring thing throughout all of these movies. And it it is a little more of a mystery than a horror movie, it almost feels I, like. So I had thought that this was going to be the scariest thing that we watched, like hands down. And it was not at all. I wasn't – I mean, I think there's the scene where the, where the ex-husband comes face-to-face with the ghost – and that's by far the scariest scene, but it really, I don't know, it just wasn't as scary as I expected. Now, it was totally creepy, and aesthetically, it was like... It's a well-made movie. Yeah, it was. It was very well-made, and yeah, it's not that I didn't like it. It just was not nearly as scary as I thought it was going to be. And I do remember seeing it before, and I also remembered it as being scary, and it really is not. But I guess it's a little informative of how another culture tells a story and the choices that they make uh, as opposed to how an American studio film would cover it. Well, I just appreciate, and maybe they did this in the remake. I honestly don't remember, but I, I really appreciate that you see the faces like the frozen horror faces on the dead bodies, but you don't see her killing them. Yeah. um, Until, until that last thing, it does leave a lot to the imagination and it is, I mean, it is kind of worth it for the one big scare at the end, which is revealing Sadako coming out of the TV. It's and, so cool. And that's really well done as effects and as horror, Yeah, I think. And then a good twist at, at the end yes. of how she figures out how to, <laughs> when she's taking it to her dad, the first I person know. she's going to make watch it is her dad, her elderly dad. Will you help me, dad? And he's not going to be able to copy that fucking tape. <laughs> <laughs> One thing I, I read about uh, as a theme in this, which totally makes sense, uh, but I didn't really think about while I was watching it, is both the novel and the movies are kind of about the tension between Japanese tradition and modernity slash technology. Wh- Say that again. The Between Japanese tradition and between technology. Got it. Okay. Now, yeah. this is accepting like a VHS tape as like the cutting edge of technology. Right. You right. know. Um because, but at the time, you, we weren't burning DVDs yet. Oh no, no yeah. DVDs existed, but we. So that was the technology. But they were they were brand new technology right. at the time. Yeah, uh, 
because I think it makes a point to show them living in very traditional looking Japanese houses. Certainly not everybody there lives in, in that kind of house, you know? Yeah. Um, but I think it's very, it's to visually kind of contrast this traditional way of living with new technology. Right. I mean, her, her apartment is pretty modern and yes. as is his, but when they go, her father's house to her father's house and they go to the the camp i guess vacation is, cabins vacation or whatever house. it is yeah like all of that's traditional japanese decor so we started this at 5:40 in the afternoon and carla said i scared <laughs> <laughs> we started during daylight cuz we were anticipating how scary this was going to yeah. be i mean you will die in one week is like the classic urban legend right um I kept, whenever the phone rang, I kept doing the voice from Scream. <laughs> so it's her niece who dies in the first scene. And so that's Which how she, I knew, but you didn't. I didn't pick up on that somehow. I might have been writing down a Carla's quote and distracting myself. So, uh, the mystery sl- slowly unfolds and they figure out eventually that this tape was made psychically by this girl, Sadako, who was buried in this well. By her psychologist father, illegitimate Perhaps father. father. Yeah. Then it's like, well, maybe her father isn't human was something somebody said at the end. Right. Because her mother had psychic abilities and he was trying to, like, take advantage of those, right? Yeah. Um, Carla said, everything in Japan is so beautiful. Can you imagine having that as a bedroom? Um <laughs> You have to guess what that is. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's just like that lie, you know, that futon kind of lying on a yeah. floor, you know, with all the screens around and it's you. It's like all white. Everything very and- pristine. Um, they do eventually find this old man in the. No, no, no. Benny's trying to get <laughs> Frankie's food. <laughs> They do go to the town where uh, Shizuko is from and find this old man who knows the truth. And they, they talk to him on a beach and he's smoking. And Carla said, he's like, motherfucker, I'm trying to have a cig on the beach and you are harshing my vibe. <laughs> so many curse words, Carla. <laughs> and then when we see the doctor pushing Sadako in the well, Carla says, David Letterman. <laughs> it did look like David It looked Letterman. a lot like David Letterman. <laughs> um. And you were holding Benny tight and you said, and he was trying to get away. He was trying to squirm away and you said, gotta stay with the mama because it's going to get scary soon. (laughs) And eventually they find the well that she was buried in. They're trying to bail it out, you know, to uncover her body, which they eventually they do, but it's like really gross, like brackish water. And Carla was like, they need to put some chlorine tablets in there. (laughs) This is a good example of how I mean I don't remember this scene from the sequel necessarily, but I know I know it was in there, right? This scene in the well. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like in the American version, and again, I don't know that this is true. So in this version, it takes them like for ten minutes. They're just pulling water out of the well. It's really slow, but it is building tension in a kind of a cool way. And I feel like in the American version, it was probably like. They tried two buckets of water to pull out, and then she falls in or something. (laughs) Is that true? Do you remember? No, I don't remember specifically, but that seems right. Yeah. So I would say very well made, well acted, uh, not that scary. Yeah, I agree. It didn't really stick with me in the way that I thought it would. Did it make you want to watch the, The Ring 
with Naomi Watts? No, because I've seen it. I don't know. I just don't feel like I need to rehash any of that. Uh, so letter grade for Ring? Uh, B plus? I think it's a B plus as well. I don't know. I really respect it as a film. Like, I I thought it was really cool. I just didn't... I don't know. Yeah. I just wasn't it, uh, scared. <laughs> Stir of Echoes? B? I was going to say B plus. It's like hovering between B plus and B for me. Yeah. Because uh, I think we were remembering mostly the good stuff, but I also... Feel like when you watch the full thing, like the, there's like a few dead ends. Yes, and that, so I think B seems right for me. The others, A plus. I think it's one of the best movies. <laughs> I give it an A. Yeah, it's it's really great. It's maybe one of the best movies we've ever watched for this podcast. Oh wow! Oh wow! I think we watched at least a hundred better movies. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's your list. I would consider adding the others to my additional favorite movies list. To the top 200? I don't know. It's just like, in terms of rewatchability, I would I would rewatch it again. I'd rewatch it again next week. And in terms of like... Carla, we don't have time. <laughs> <laughs> how it comes together. Like, there's no loose end. Everything. And it's so satisfying. And the acting's so good. And the... Yeah, it's just beautiful. Immaculately made. Yeah. Great photography. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, maybe we should do a little improv scene set in the world of the others then. So, I mean, they say they're going to stay in the mansion. Other people are going to come and go. You know, Mrs. Mills says sometimes we'll sense them. Sometimes we won't, you know, Mm -hmm. but I think it's the year 2020 and people are living (laughs) in the house (laughs) and all of those ghosts that we know from the others are, are still there. Who are we playing? Uh, we could play whoever from the other, but you're probably Nicole Kidman to begin with. And I'm Mr. Tuttle, the gardener. Okay. Mr. Tuttle. My children, my children won't leave these teenagers alone. Well, they're, they're, they're trying to shoot a viral video from what I understand. This is unacceptable, Mr. Mr. Tuttle. You must intervene, please. My children don't listen to me anymore. I can't do anything about whether the video goes viral or not. I don't even have a social media account. Oh, Mr. Tuttle, I'm so... I'm so alone. (laughs) Mummy! Mummy, I'm scared! Oh, baby, come here. I forgot your name. (laughs) (laughs) It's James! I think I'm going mad. Mad, I say. You've been mad for 70 years ever since you killed us. Shut up or I'll kill you again. Oh, mummy. I want to look outside the window. Shut up, you stupid baby. (laughs) Uh, Mother Anne is making fun of me. Anne is making fun of me. Um, okay. If there's ghosts here, you seriously need to let me know. Okay, because I'm I'm Instagramming this right now, and I keep telling my followers that there are ghosts in my house that you're not turning up in any of my pics. Mommy, this is who I love. This is the man that I've fallen in love with. <laughs> I'm a 30-year-old and an 8-year-old's body, Mommy. You're way older than that. <laughs> children, Chill the bloody man. Children, everybody, get in the closet. Okay, so I'm going to shoot inside the closet, guys. Get out of the closet! Okay, stop shaking the closet, okay? Uh, I'm still here and I feel a little awkward. 
<laughs> may, may I tend to the garden? Mr. Tuttle, please, you cannot leave me alone. I'm always alone. I want to put leaves on the gravestone. It's the one thing I live for. <laughs> you do that all the time, and we just take them off. Oh, I, I think I have a touch of the tuberculosis. <laughs> Uh, Carla... That was... That was a lot. That was a tour de force. <laughs> For sure, all my characters started to sound the same. <laughs> uh, this was fun. Let's talk about some ghost stories. It was fun. I think we did some surprising ghost stories. What is our next category for spooky times? We are jumping right into some vampire movies. Vampires. Okay. Vampires. Here we go. Classic horror trope. Yep. I think you'll be surprised, listeners, the ones who have chosen. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's maybe as many to choose from as any genre, right? We I mean, have five that we still could do. We haven't totally picked. We watched one already. Yeah. We're going to try to do it, decide how we feel on the day of. Okay. I don't know if vampire movies are scary in 2020. Either. I don't either. Yeah. But, I mean, it feels like it's a genre that we definitely need to address, right? Yeah. I mean, it's like a classic Halloween monster person. <laughs> <laughs> sure. It almost feels like, well, we'll get into this more, but it feels like they're hitting the sexy angle of it more in general, you know. Right. Maybe not with the movies that we pick. In We're modern... not doing Twilight. Don't worry, everybody. Oh, but I want to so bad. <laughs> Edward. Actually, it would be really funny if we did Twilight. I have never, never read them. or seen a Twilight. I've read all of them, and I've seen the first two. Okay. Craig's listeners, we are not doing Twilight. We but, might be doing Twilight. But we will be doing three vampire movies, so we'll see you next time on Craig's List. Spooky <laughs> Times. The list is an absolute good. The list is life. Carla, we need to do a sound check. And this is what it sounds like. This is what it sounds like when Carla talks. It's not as loud as Craig, but it's still relevant. 